The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Now with me in studio, Philip Ryan, political editor with the Irish Independent and John Lee, executive editor with the Daily Mail Group Ireland to look back on the, the winners and losers and some of the big and surprising stories of the year that was. Uh, gentlemen, you're both very welcome. Happy Christmas. Happy Same Christmas. I'll start saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, okay. uh, John, we'll get right into it. Who is your political winner of 2023? Um, I, I suspect when you hear Phillips, you'll, you'll realise where all his exclusives come from. But uh, I have... Um, <laughs> I, I, I have form I would have written negatively about Michal Martin back in the summer of 2022 when, let's not forget, that his parliamentary party were meeting without him in Leinster House. Uh, his, his poll ratings and the party's poll ratings were deemed a threat to the party. He had outspoken criti- critics in his parliamentary party, Mark McSharry and uh, Barry Cowan, former, who, a agriculture minister he had sacked and others would would have been deemed to have been arranged that meeting in Leinster House. That's July 2022 and I think the turnaround in his fortunes since then has been has been pretty has been pretty marked and in Irish politics I can't think of anyone that who has who has increased their performance and 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 brought themselves back to a place of of mm. of relative success. He would be now, um, which wasn't the case a year ago. He would be now deemed as impregnable um, and definitely the man that would lead them into the uh, into the next general election. Also, he would have out, he has also outstripped Mary Lou Macdonald in the in the most polls, uh, Sunday Independent poll. Uh, certainly, I remember last time I saw it uh, as the most popular leader. And is that because being tarnished in Minister for Foreign Affairs is the cushiest job in Irish politics? Again, I would have, I would have, um, I would have experienced unhappiness from people around him for some of the pieces I wrote about him last year. So, you know, I think it's more about contrast. I think he was struggling in the job for a whole variety of reasons. Um, And... I don't think the Department of Foreign Affairs in the position that he's been in since um, the last six years dealing with the crisis in Ukraine, I think his performance on foreign... So take away the position of Taunashta, I'm not sure that that really matters. Um, I, I, I remember the Vice Presidency in the United States being described as, I won't give you the rude version, as not worth a warm bucket of spit by a, by a, uh, a Vice President. It was actually piss, but uh, a Vice President of FDR. The Taunashta doesn't really matter, but the Department of Foreign Affairs, I think there hasn't been, and I could be corrected on this, a more sure-footed leader in Western Europe when it's come, when it's come to Israel. Yeah. Um, I would have felt that he was probably, uh, the Irish government was probably a bit out there when it came to not supporting Shin, um, Israel at the start. But Israel's performance in Gaza since then and their, and their, and their behaviour has now led yeah. to a point where Mihal Martin when I was say well the ahead of everybody job, else. What I was getting at, was not necessarily the, the 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 body of work that he has to do, and, and he's had some coups in that regard. Um, but it, it's not generally divisive, doing you know, a political sense. No, b- b- being minister for foreign affairs, no, you know, it's, the, it's not that you're not doing the type of work that backbenchers are necessarily going to start stabbing you in the back over. Well, you but, have passports; it's the biggest one. Yeah, and Simon Cole, which he's kind of left aside. The vast majority of his political capital. That's fair. Yeah. But again, he looked too much abroad and couldn't get the the basic stuff done, which is make sure your constituencies 
can get can off go on holidays. holidays. Yeah. <laughs> but again, in answer yeah, to that, I think, I think this is very much a, a discussion of contrast and relative to other politicians. Think back again a year, over a year ago to how mm. everyone felt that, that in this rotating Taoiseach role, how Leo Varadkar had struggled yeah. At, at, as Tarnishta and oh he'll get his mojo back and when he gets in the top job he'll be a different man but it was th- there was nothing really of criticism and people touted Leo Varadkar as irrelevant in the position that he was in and I think Michal Martin for a variety of reasons I do think uh, Mark McSharry's departure from Fianna Fáil um, Barry Cowan's turning of his gaze to Europe and if, and the quietening of quite a few critics okay. in his parliamentary party has been very influential as well. Leo might turn out to be one of the losers of the week. We'll have to wait and find out and we'll find out what Philip's uh, winner of the week, winner of the year is, is what we're talking about. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk. So John Lee's political winner of the year was Michal Martin. Philip Ryan is dying to tell me, but first I want to tell you to get over to our Instagram uh, this week because we've got some great uh, Christmas prizes. We're giving away everything from vouchers uh, to holidays. In fact, today we've got a three-night stay in Lisbon for two with flights and a four-star hotel stay as well, all with thanks to Sunway. So uh, if you like the sound of that and you want to enter, just head to uh, News Talk's Instagram page and you'll find all the details there. So Philip Ryan, who is your political winner of the year? Well, I'd just like to say at the start, this is nothing to do with where I get stories from, as John alluded to, as I'm sure that your selection has nothing to do with who your wife's boss is. But uh, my selection for my my winner of the year is uh, Dara O'Brien, the housing minister. And while some people might listen in going like, how the hell could you pick a housing minister while we still have record levels of homelessness in the country and while people are still struggling to getting on the housing list or getting uh, houses generally. But I think there has been a bit of sea change in the government's housing policy. You only have to look at the fact that there, if you take social housing, there's a uh, highest number of social housing in the country since the 70s. Um, you just have to drive around the city. Um, and sorry if I'm not speaking to the rest of the country who are listening in, but you just only have to drive around the place to see that there is construction everywhere. It's all sorts of buildings, whether it be apartment blocks, student accommodation, or as you can see, uh, probably a little bit outside of the M50, some standalone homes. There is construction going on in this country, and there is an awful lot of it. There is, you could say, uh, the only thing I would say to take back from my own choice would be the fact that he is, um, uh, of course possibly a lucky general in that like some of these policies were in place mm. uh, before his time. But there has been a surge in development in this country over the last year but, uh, or two. Perception is reality though. Mm. Is there enough happening that people will perceive the problem to be getting better? Well, the, the government's figures, um, if we are to believe, and I think we probably can, is that like there's 500 uh, first-time buyers getting houses every week. That, that's quite a lot. Uh, you would suggest just anecdotally talking to friends and seeing friends as people who are getting their first houses, people who are moving on to their second houses, uh, buying up, etc. Like there is an awful lot of people who are in a situation at the moment to get housing and there is houses being built in in a lot of places. The complaints are that places are being overbuilt and that there's too many houses being built in some places, which which clearly can't be the case given the amount of people we had. And you would have to wonder as well that if there was if we didn't have the migration crisis, what, what would the housing situation be in Ireland at the moment? Would it be a completely different place? All right. Uh, so uh, Dara O'Brien and Michal Martin are uh, political winners uh, of the year. John, who's your 
loser, politically speaking, of 2023? Uh, well, um, you know, um, Mary Lou MacDonald has had a bad year and certainly the last um, number of months. Again, relatively speaking, they were soaring in the polls. If you think of the narrative, the, na- the national media's narrative, of course, we were responsible for most of it. There was a, a feeling that they were, all they had to do was be receive a coronation to be in the next government. That, I would say, now is is looking doubtful. Uh, I think they made one of the great political mistakes I've witnessed in, in my 20 years in Leinster House when they tabled a motion of no confidence in the Minister for Justice. And can you name another Western country where I, at a press conference, would ask a question of Mary Lou Macdonald, I asked her, do you think this is going to backfire on you because of your your party's long associations with terrorism and criminality, um, most specifically your relationship with Jonathan Dowdall? And not a bother, she answered that back in the straight, with a straight bat. But that is, that, is a, that is a fact that many people within their, her own party um, told me was at the forefront of their mind when they made that decision to put that motion of confidence down in, in, in Minister McEntee. And very interesting, I think just slightly differently, a very senior Republican. I, I started my political, my, my journalistic career at, at the tail end of the Troubles and I have quite a few contacts in that movement. And one senior Republican who I've known a long time said to me, he thought the great mistake in that was that he had spent his career, his lifetime fighting discrimination in Northern Ireland and and elsewhere against Catholics, for instance. And he felt his perception, as I reported, was that not only had, had Sinn Féin and Mary Lou MacDonald been seen by the public to be siding against the Gardaí, that was their view. Uh, let's not forget she had publicly said she had no confidence in Drew Harris the previous week, but didn't table the motion. But not only that, they'd subliminally connected themselves mm. with a bunch of far-right racist protesters and violent people on the streets of Dublin. That that, that may, was not their intention, clearly, but that's what subliminally he felt. Do you felt think that was the perception That was the perception the of a senior Republican. Yeah. That Do you he think felt most of the public, though, would have just thought this is typical Leinster House japes, if I call it that? Well, I'd also say in the, in, in the, in the, in the previous in a poll in Sunday Independent in um, in uh, Phillips um, a stable and um, another major poll they've fallen 3% down to 28% at 24.5 mm. uh, from their general election figure with with, with everything else um, they, they're they not a million miles away from that so so clearly the public don't see them uh, as, as being as sure-footed uh, um, as they have been, and in many ways, Ona Bryn, their great star, is looking across the chamber. What 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 have I got to do now to land a punch on Dara O'Brien, who is you know by by many measure doing badly in housing, but has has clearly succeeded in shifting the narrative there somewhat. What I'm saying is she had. She had three relatively good years. They were the most popular party in in Ireland after the after the twenty four after the um, twenty twenty election. Now I see them stuttering, and the problem when your party gets bigger and more popular is it's a lot harder to control. Yeah. And do I see today them walking into government next time? No, I don't. All right. And that's because of their own mistakes. Mary Lou uh, John's political loser of twenty twenty three. Philip, politically speaking, who's your loser of the year? Well, for balance, mine is Taoiseach Leo Radker, who's uh, taken up the job again. He has another year left. This is his first year Listeners, back. Listeners, this is uh, Leo Radker's official biographer, biographer now, by exactly. the way. Yeah, this, What's this gone car- wrong? This carries a lot of weight. The other fellow who wrote the book got a job in government, by the way. <laughs> so, so the reality is, 
he's back. He's back in office since last uh, December. Um, his first year back. Um, but like, you have to look at it at a, as a whole. The Taoiseach is not just a domestic job. It's a it's an international job. It's a job where you represent Ireland on a world stage. And two incidents uh, stood out to me um, the most this year. One was earlier in the year over in Washington, where he was um, speaking to a group of people ahead of ahead of meeting uh, Hillary Clinton and and. Uh, where he decided to allude to the Monica Lewinsky affair in a kind of jovial fashion with a group of people, which, look, you need to know your room. You need to kind of, like, look, okay, in some situations that was probably a funny jibe. In America, while you're meeting all the senior Republicans and, and Democrats, presumably as well, you're going to all the various things, that's just... It's it's just it's kind of embarrassing, really, that that's what our leader is doing. And the other one is um, the more recent one is the the tweet now the statement about the release of Emily Han, the Irish uh, Israeli citizen who was kidnapped by the terrorist organisation Hamas and dragged into a country she didn't live in and mm-hmm. kept in God knows what tunnel um, for the guts of six seven weeks. And he's put out a tweet, a short, a shortened version of what he had said in a statement mm. about the fact that she'd been lost and found. Naturally, this infuriated the Israelis. They probably did. They, they saw it as something they could jump on and uh, manipulate as they do with a lot of their, the information. And it is an information war as much as it is a military war. But you would think either Leo Radker, if it was himself putting that out or his team would have known a little bit better than to do that. So that's one side of it. Back home, yeah. for my argument domestically, is the fact that a quarter of his TDs have abandoned him. They've ran for the hills. They don't want anything. They, they can't even decide to go running for Fianna Gael again in the next election. And it is an extraordinary amount of, is of he, TDs. Is he the opposite of, of your kind of Dara O'Brien example? You described him possibly as a, as a lucky general that... Mm. Uh, Leo Varadkar finds himself leading the party when they have been in government so long that there's always going to be a bit of wastage. But that much? Like, yeah. if, okay, so there's some of the TDs, they've done their terms, they've they've uh, done their political terms, but you have TDs in there who could walk back into the doll given the, the work they've put into constituencies. Your Brendan Griffins, your John Paul Feelings, people who have a base, people who, but they just don't see any future in the party and they don't see any future in propping up Leo Varadkar's regime. And that, uh, like... When you weigh that against his public, his uh, international persona and the decimation of his party, let's call it at home, it's hard to give him anything other than loser of the year. The kiss of death from his official biographer. Uh, I love that. Uh, lo- loser of the year. John. <laughs> There's a sequel there. Um, what, what story, politically speaking, surprised you this year? That you, you would surprised. have... Surprised. Uh, this time last year, you certainly would not have expected to be covering it in 2023. Uh, well, uh, um, Israel... Um, I I would have um, been a long follower of of um, events in the Middle East. I never thought that I'd see the day where uh, events in the Middle East and events in Israel would would become such a part of the national narrative. Here, there have been incredible passions aroused by by what has happened there um, politically. You only have to point to what Philip there said. You know, when you wander into the most combustible uh, uh, issue in world politics right now, you want to be very careful. Um, not only has Leo Varadkar made big uh, big mistakes there, uh, Lee, uh, Mary Lou Macdonald has. And, you know, again, the first signs of trouble of late, I thought, was when she... Uh, and it, 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 
so much of Irish politics has been shown up in people's performances there. So, for instance, Mary Lou Macdonald made a statement on a Thursday night at the beginning of November that she was not going to call, and her party most precisely, was not going to call for the expulsion of the Israeli ambassador, Dana Ehrlich, a woman I've met a, a number of occasions. And Friday she went up to Belfast, the symbolism of the, of, of the, of the geography of, of the meeting. And she came out and gave a press conference and said, oh, we are calling for the, uh, for the expulsion of the, of the Israeli ambassador. So there's, you know, I don't think any of us would have felt um, that we would have been talking about Israel in the fashion we have yeah. in relation to Irish domestic politics. We've had people protesting on the streets. Um, there have been accusations of, of anti-Semitism from the Israeli embassy as existent in Ireland. And there have been um, uh, there has been a sway, of course, now that um, Israel has has shown no strategy and no real intention, bar causing mayhem in in Gaza. So th- that was it was a shock to me that that would play such a role in Irish politics. Uh, Philip, same question to you. I mean, this time last year, what would you least have expected to be talking about in twenty twenty three? Well, yeah, the Dublin city on fire. Lewis has been set on fire. Bus has been set on fire. Gardaí being attacked. People looting Footlocker, people trying to loot Arnott's. The, 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 yeah, the riots in November. But was there an awful lot flagging that that could happen? Uh, till till, till the, the, extent, the rioters clicked, there was words enough guardian. But Dublin. to the extent, though, like yeah. that, I don't think, like, look, there is a small element out there. There's a small, there's a small element out there who are trying to take advantage of what is probably a larger element out there who are frustrated by the immigration policy in this country. That there are people there, especially in rural communities. If it was going to break out, I would have thought it was in more of a rural place because they are the the real communities being impacted. When migration happens in a city, it's it it integrates a lot easier because. It's a metropolitan city in the first mm. instance, and there's lots of services, there's better public uh, infrastructure, etc. So it was just shocking to see there has been a number of incidents throughout the year which led to it. Um, issues that, like this, this idea that only violence happens at the hands of migrants, which is a bit ridiculous, because if you're worried about children being killed in this country, you should look to the, your partner, because it's generally a mother or a father who kills children in this country. Um, so it, it, it's just it was a shocking uh, to see it. I was I was in town on the night. It was actually my birthday, and just to see the city on fire, lockdown, people marauding or marauding the streets, people the the armed guardy everywhere. It was it was dystopian, and it, I couldn't have foreseen it. And I like obviously I was around the time of the the Love Ulster parade, but that was a different thing. That mm. was people coming into our city and causing trouble to a certain respect, and people went into the city coming back at it but like at the same time this it, it seemed like there was a bit of tension there that he wanted to release but it was the wrong way to do it uh, We don't really have time to, to have much discussion on it but domestically what was the big story of the year? Well RTE there was no there was no challenge to that I never worked no. on a story that, that, that led our, new, Fair, our Sunday you, newspaper 100% agree yeah. what 10 weeks in a row? The Toy Man on trial and I think I'm afraid an awful lot, an awful lot of chickens came home to roost in, in a company that has lived off state munificence for so long. And yeah, the workers will suffer and many of us empathise with them. But that company has been run very, very badly for an awful long time. 
We're going to be talking about RTE a little bit later. Aon Oriordan thinks they need to boycott Eurovision because of Israel's involvement. That's coming up uh, after six o'clock. Uh, in the meantime, thank you to Philip Ryan, a political editor with the Irish Independent, John Lee, executive editor with the Daily Mail Group Ireland. Happy Christmas uh, again, gentlemen, and we will talk again, I'm sure, uh, in the new year. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.